BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Hi, everyone. Welcome to With Wit. Today, I have a really, really great guest interview for you. Liz Moody is a top wellness and lifestyle persona. She has a podcast called the Liz Moody Podcast, which was formerly Healthier Together. Her world-class expert guests share fun, actionable, research-backed advice about gut health, hormone health, longevity, finances, relationships, mental health, and obviously so much more. Moody is also a best-selling author of Healthier Together, Recipes for Two, Nourish Your Body, Nourish Your Relationships, and Glow Pops. And her new book, 100 Ways to Change Your Life, The Science of Leveling Up Health, Happiness, Relationships, and Success, published today. So check it out wherever books are sold. Liz is a longtime journalist for publications, including Vogue, Marie Claire, and Goop. She's an online creator with a social media following of over a million plus and the founder of Healthy Convo Co., a conversation game company designed to facilitate fun and life-changing conversations. We dug into how to be the most productive we can be, how to not compare ourselves to others, all the self-care shit that we all need to be saying to ourselves on a daily basis, and also just not shaming ourselves when we can't live up to certain expectations. And the best of all, really trusting ourselves and doing things consistently so that we trust ourselves and honor ourselves more and know that we are going to do what we tell ourselves we're going to do. So really interesting, philosophical, deep, necessary. Let's get into it. So you have a new book, 100 Ways to Change Your Life, The Science of Leveling Up Health, Happiness, Relationships, and Success. Tell us about the development of this, like how you got into this world and what prompted you to write this. Absolutely. So there's a short story and a little bit of a longer story. I would say the medium story is I experienced my own pretty extreme wellness event. I had agoraphobia that led to me not only not being able to leave the house without having panic attacks, but not being able to leave my bed without having panic attacks. 
And at that point in my life, I had been a journalist for over a decade. And I was laying there in bed. I was watching Netflix. I had convinced myself that this was going to be the rest of my life. I was like, I have my Netflix. I can email people. I can stay in touch with people on social media. Like, I guess this is it for me, which is so sad for me to think about now because I'm such an experientially ambitious person. So the idea that I was okay with a life that felt that small, just it it's devastating for me. But I had been a journalist for over a decade and I relied on those journalism skills. I started to do one of the only things that I knew how to do, which was to reach out to the best experts in their field. And I started emailing people people I had no right to email, the head of neuroscience at Stanford, all of these RDs. And I was like, what is happening with the anxiety I'm experiencing? What's happening in my body? What's happening in my brain? What can I do to mitigate some of these symptoms that I'm feeling? And a lot of them did not reply. But to the tune of one of my life mantras, which is never be the one to say no to yourself, a few of them did. And they started to give me the tools and resources that I needed to take one tiny step at a time and to climb out of bed and to go downstairs and eventually to leave my house. I still remember the first time that I went to a grocery store without having a panic attack. And bit by bit, piece by piece, I started to change my own life. And I started on the path that I'm on now where I feel thriving. I feel able to do the things that I want to do. I still struggle with anxiety and I want to be really honest and clear about that. But I also want to be honest and clear that anybody who is, I was at a rock bottom. I, I was so uncomfortable at times that I was not sure that I wanted to continue to live a life where I was that uncomfortable. And I just feel that it's so important to say to anybody who might be struggling with something like that, that you can get to the other side, that you can feel the way that I feel now. So I started to gather these resources and they helped me so much that I was like, I need to share this information with other people. So the book, long story short, is not just about anxiety, but it's tools and resources from the best people in their field about how to change all parts of your life. They're tiny tools that make a huge impact, whether you want to increase your confidence, whether you want to live longer, whether you want to help with your gut health, whether you want to improve your relationships, whether you want to calm your anxiety. And I wanted people to have access to these resources and to know that with the right tools, they could live their best lives. I found so much solace in what you were saying about the little steps that you took in order to begin, because I think that's one of the most intimidating things. I think a lot of people are aware that they need help, but it's so overwhelming to them that the idea of getting help, just like they delay that and procrastinate that because they think it's going to be like this huge thing that they're going to have to uncover, open up all the scars, the wounds, you know, and like slowly but surely you may do that, but it doesn't have to be that all at once. You know what I, I mean? Just, like, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. I just did a podcast episode about how to get out of a slump. And mm -hmm. one of the key, key takeaways from that episode, and we share a bunch of different takeaways. So if you're in a slump, please go listen to it. But one of the key takeaways is that we often try to do way too much and then we get intimidated and we do nothing at all. And one of the best things that you can do 
is make the task way, way smaller than you think. Whether you're trying to start a new habit, like working out, if you want to do a five-minute workout that you can actually do consistently every single day, whether you want to do a five-minute meditation that you can do consistently every single day, or if you're laying on the couch, you can't get up off the couch, you're feeling terrible. Instead of being like, I need to go accomplish this to-do list, go make a cup of tea, go do two squats, three jumping jacks, go send one text to a friend. Objects in motion stay in motion and objects at rest stay at rest. And that's from Isaac Newton, but I've I've coined it from my own life. Yeah. And I think it's really relevant. I think we attribute a lot of things to willpower when in fact it's inertia or momentum that's holding us back or moving us forward. And all we Mm -hmm. need to do is combat that inertia with the tiniest bit of momentum. It's so true. It like brings me back to also what my therapist and I have been working on. Like sometimes I'll get so overwhelmed with just the day ahead of me. Like I'll look at my schedule and I'll be like, oh my God, this, and then this, and then this, and then this. And I feel like so many of us feel that way, right? Like we're just in this constant spiral of like what we have to do next and not thinking about what we're doing in the moment. And she was like, well, let's take that back a step. Like, why don't you just think about each thing as it comes, like be in each moment as it comes. You're not doing your whole day at one time. You're just doing each of those things at their time. One step at a time. I think that's so important. I also have a tip in the book that I think is really relevant for that type of feeling, which Mm -hmm. is we don't do a good job on a societal level of distinguishing between being busy and being productive. And we all want to be productive. We want to be moving our lives in the direction that we want our lives to take. But instead, sometimes, and I'm so guilty of this, we get caught in our endless to-do list. We're just checking things off, checking things off, checking things off. And then at the end of the week, at the end of the month, at the end of the year, we're like, well, have I moved forward in any way? Have I made the progress that I want to make? And there's a tip in the book in the how to be more productive section. It's about creating a rule of three. It's from Chris Bailey, who's an incredible productivity expert. And he came on the podcast, talked all about productivity with us. And he basically said that our brains think in threes. And one of the best ways to combat that feeling of having worked all day, but not actually accomplish the things that you want to accomplish is at the beginning of the day or the night before. Think of the three things that would actually move the ball in the direction that you want your Mm -hmm. life to go, whether it's in your personal life, whether it's in your work life, whether it's in your relationships, anything like that. What are the three things? And then make sure those three things get done. And even if the other things fall aside, you don't clear your email inbox, you don't pick up the laundry you accomplish the three things that are actually going to move your life forward. And you can do this on a daily basis. You can do this on a weekly basis. You can do this on a monthly basis. You can do this on an annual basis, a 10-year basis. After 10 years, what are the three things that you want to have accomplished? And it can be a really good way of honing in on what we should actually be spending our valuable and precious time on. Who doesn't love a Pillsbury Crescent Roll? Honestly, anybody out there? crickets. They are so nostalgic and they always taste just as delicious as I remember. They've always been on the table next to special meals, especially Thanksgiving, but I never really thought about how simple it would be to transform them from a side dish to a main dish simply by filling them with delicious ingredients. Finding time to make dinner consistently can be tough and I lack creativity. It's absolutely 
key though, to have a roster of kid pleasing dinner recipes that won't take all night to make. Tonight, for instance, our nephew Tate was over. I didn't know what to do. He was hungry. Jade postmated their meal, accidentally ordered it to the wrong location, her house. And luckily I had crescent rolls. I quickly filled them up with some marinara sauce, mozzarella cheese, and they were so happy. They were so, so, so happy. And then for adult style, I went with like a feta greens, like a bitter spinach slash arugula and olives. But I keep going back to those like marinara pizza rolls because they're just so delicious and they're great for kids and adults. And they're also a cross between a pizza and a caprese sandwich, which is my favorite kind of sandwich. I also just saw a recipe on the Pillsbury site for air fryer pepperoni pizza crescent rolls. And I'm pretty intrigued in how they'd come out in the air fryer. So I'm going to try it. I also can't help but think I'm making some sweet options with them too. Some dessert style options that don't take too long to make. Maybe some Nutella and banana, cinnamon sugar, some good jam and cheese. The possibilities are really endless and they're always a hit with even the pickiest of eaters. You can find Pillsbury in the dairy aisle and find all kinds of weeknight dinner recipes and inspiration at pillsbury.com. And just like that, your favorite besties and tastemakers, Benito Skinner and Mary Beth Barone are back. Did you miss us? You know they did. Join us every Wednesday on your way to Sephora to hear our witty, ridiculous and irreverent musings on life, the universe, existence and of course what we currently ride for. You're going to absolutely live slash die for this podcast. You might even, dare we say, ride for it. So much of this brings my brain to consistency and like having to remember to do these things every day and making them like a part of your life and your daily habits. I'm sure as someone who's like very focused on their wellness journey, like doing things consistently is very important to you. How do you maintain all that? And like, are there so many things that you have scheduled to do each day to take care of your mental health? A hundred percent. A huge thing that I often say is that wellness is a tool. It's not an end unto itself. The second that wellness is making your life worse, it's no longer wellness. And one of the most common and under-discussed ways that wellness is making our lives worse is that it feels like this huge, overwhelming task. And if we don't accomplish our wellness every day, we're failing ourselves. We're not reaching our goals, et cetera. It can also show up in insidious ways like, I don't want to go out to eat with my friends because I'm not sure what's going to be on the menu or I'm not drinking right now. I think that's a really common one as people are exploring their sober curious journey and they start to limit their social interactions because they feel that social interactions equal alcohol. And I'm not saying people should drink. I'm actually, I call myself an intentional drinker myself, but I put a lot of emphasis on making sure that I'm still having social interactions. I'm maintaining those relationships, et cetera. So One of the best ways to combat this is one of the first tips in the book. It is called find your why. A lot of times we are doing things because we see somebody online doing it because we feel like we should be doing it because we saw enough advertisements for a supplement that we're like, I guess I should be taking that. Every single supplement that you are taking, you should have a direct reason why you are taking it. Whether a doctor told you you are deficient in that thing, whether you are trying to take something for your anxiety. If you're trying to take something to have an effect on something like anxiety, 
when did you start taking it? What were your anxiety levels when you started taking it? Mm -hmm. How long have you been taking it? Have you been tracking your anxiety levels since you've been taking it? Knowing the reasons why we are incorporating habits, routines, supplements, anything into our lives is so key for making sure we're not spending the precious money and the precious time that we have on things that aren't actually doing us any good or serving us. And the things that serve us are going to change over time. The supplements, routines, and habits that I have now are drastically different from the supplements, routines, and habits that I had six months ago or even a year ago, two years ago, all of that. And that's completely fine. The book is really designed to be a resource that you leave out on your coffee table and you pick up the tips that apply to you and you read them when you need that motivation, when you need that science, when you need that behavior change. I'm not expecting people and I highly encourage people not to go and do a hundred tips at once because you won't experience the results that you want to experience and you'll experience burnout and fatigue, which I think we're all familiar with in the wellness world. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that like long-term wellness is obviously the key for all of us. I think a big piece in this is also confidence. What are some like key ways or key rituals that you've utilized to just grow that inner confidence and not rely on anybody else to give you the love that you need for yourself? I have two absolutely game-changing tips for confidence. One, self-love comes from self-trust. If we don't have self-trust, when we look in the mirror and we say, you go girl, I believe in you, I love you, we're not gonna believe the things that we're saying because we're used to lying to ourselves. And you might think, well, Liz, I'm not lying to myself. What are you talking about? But we are lying to ourselves every single time we say, I'm not gonna reach for my phone first thing in the morning. And then we do it. We are lying to ourselves every time we say, I'm going to stick to that workout routine. And then we don't do it. We need to keep the promises that we make to ourselves. That is how we build self-trust. And so we, we trust ourselves, you know? Yeah, no, I know you're so right. I think that like, there's so much about me that I love and that I have confidence in and that I believe in myself about, if that even makes sense. But then I feel like the consistency piece for me, because I will say I will do things and then not, and then I'm disappointing myself if, you know, and then I feel like that self-love gets diminished because I'm disappointing myself. I think you're completely right. And it's coming from both perspectives. I think if we want to trust ourselves and if we want to, yeah, to not feel like we're letting ourselves down constantly, we need to keep the promises that we're making to ourselves. And for me, Knowing that unto itself is really motivating that when I'm reaching for my phone in the morning after I've promised myself that I would not, I'm chipping away at that self-trust that leads to that self-love. But also back to the how to get out of a slum, we need to set the bar lower. If you're like, I can't not reach for my phone every single morning, you need to make that phone hard to reach for. You need to make the habits that you don't want to have hard for yourself and the habits that you do want to have easy for yourself. So if, you, if you're if you not sticking to the big workout routine, can you just say, I'm going to do a walk every single day, 10 minutes, I'm going to do that. And when you have that consistency, when you built that level of self-trust, it's actually going to be easier for you to elevate that bar and to add in the actual habit that maybe was your original goal. So if you are having a hard time keeping the promises that you make to yourself, make the promises easier to keep and make the things that you don't want to do harder 
harder to do. Make Don't put the pressure on yourself. You know, we're not right. designed to deal with that. It's so true. And it's like also saying no to the things that aren't going to like get you to your goal or bring you that that happiness that you want so that you can say yes to the things that actually like do serve you or make space to like take care of yourself. And that's something that I'm really working, working hard on. on. Yeah. Because yeah. it's hard. You never know what could bring an opportunity or who you could meet. And it's, yeah, I'm just like very much a yes person. And then I get to actually when it comes down to it and I'm like, oh my God, what did I say yes to? But I always now try to tell myself to think about like, if this were happening tomorrow, would I do it? Would I want to do it? So I'm like, I really, it's so important to honor our space and our time. And just because like something's out there to do doesn't mean we should just do it. We need to like, like hold our energy sacred. Well, and I think that the second tip that I have for confidence actually really applies to that as well, which is, and it sounds a little morbid, but I promise that it's not. It's think about your death. Think about yourself on your deathbed at the end of your life. You're looking back. What are the things that you're happy you spent your time on? What are the things that you're happy you spent your time thinking about? Are you ever going to be on your deathbed thinking, man, I'm so glad I spent so much time thinking about how my cellulite looked in that swimsuit. Or are you going to be thinking, I'm so glad that I enjoyed going to the beach with my friends that I laughed and I ate delicious snacks and I felt the sand in my toes. For you, as you're trying to make these decisions about what are the things that are worthy of spending your time on, I think zooming out and getting that perspective what am I going to be happy that I spent my time on at the end of my life can be a really helpful tool. I think also like the idea of happiness and what makes people happy can sometimes be like a hard conversation to think about because I mean, there's so much that makes us happy in our lives, but I think that this idea of happiness feels so vague. Sometimes we Mm. don't know how to to like touch it or really grasp it. When we think about happiness, how can we each be looking for our own individual happiness? Our brain can change on a physiological level in its neural pathway structure. And this is how you do it. And this is such incredible science. This is from Dr. Rick Hansen at UC Berkeley. And he's also just the kindest, gentlest man in the entire, I love him so much. I want him to be like my uncle, but I don't know how to make that happen. (laughs) But he explains our brains as this. Picture your brain as a meadow. The meadow's got tall grass all over it. When you think a thought, you're cutting a path in that meadow. So if you're thinking a thought like, I'm so stressed, I hate myself, my life is hard, I have no time for anything, you're creating a path of neural pathways in that meadow that makes it so the next time you're facing that meadow, you're like, oh, that path, your brain's like, oh, that path already exists. I'm going to be more likely to take that path because otherwise I'm essentially bushwhacking through all of these crazy tall grass. So what we want to do is cut the path in the meadow of the thoughts that we would like to think, the positive thoughts that I love myself, life feels good. I love my relationships. I'm grateful. I appreciate each moment. And there is a science-backed way to do this, which is the next time that you notice something good in your life, you are going to notice it, first of all. You're going to take a second and think, oh my gosh, this dog smells so good, or cat, 
whatever. <laughs> I'm a cat girly. You're going to be like, this sunset is so beautiful. My partner holding me feels amazing. This ice cream tastes delicious. First, you're going to notice it. Then you're going to amplify it. You're really going to pull up that feeling and maximize that good feeling. And then you're going to sit in it for about five seconds, a little bit longer than you normally would. You'll really sit in noticing that feeling. And that process, that three-step process, you're cutting a new pathway through that grass. You're defining that pathway. You're making that pathway easier for your brain to spot and notice than the other pathway so that the next time you're thinking any thought, your brain at any moment is thinking so many different thoughts and it's trying to decide which neural pathways to send them through. It's going to be more apt to send it through the good pathway. So it makes it so that at any moment, you're more likely to experience happiness. And I love it because it's completely free. You can do it throughout your day without anybody noticing or knowing that you're doing it. And you're essentially priming your brain so that without any effort in the future, you're going to be more likely to feel good. All right. I'm booting and scooting today and want to tell you all about Tacovas. It's fall, which means it's football season and it's time to finally break out the boots. I got the honor of visiting the Tacova store in Austin and it was so freaking cute. And I didn't know how happy I would be to have a pair of cowboy boots that were chic and trendy and also comfortable and like just cowboyish. Like I didn't think I could be a chic cowboy girl, but I'm so excited that I can bring them back to LA for a little bit of cowboy situation in the sunshine. The perfect pair of cowboy boots can be really hard to find and even harder to break in. And it can take forever to find the ones for you and for your style. The ones that I got with this ostrich skin are so cute and I will have them forever. Mark my word. Tacovas are beautiful, handcrafted Western boots made from Previan bovine and exotic hides. Tacovas boots are made in Leon, Mexico, where the tradition goes back generations and they become known for their signature right out of box comfort. It takes an entire team of artisans over 200 steps to make a single boot by hand. And with direct to consumer pricing and free shipping and exchanges, you really get the quality you pay for and more. Whatever your unique style is, from vintage denim to dresses or more formal attire, like for me, a jeans and blazer girl with a cute pair of black cowboy boots, it really pulls it all together and brings like a little flair to any look. When comfort leads, confidence follows and Tacovas delivers both right to your door. Visit tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com and don't go gently all season long. This feels like freeing, like little things that we can do ourselves that we don't necessarily know we have the power to do. That's the theme of the entire book. Not, you don't have to buy anything. Like it's literally, you have the power. You just need the science. And I try to make the science as fun and accessible and easy as possible. And then every bit of science, you get an action tip. Like here's what you actually do today. I hate most self-help and personal growth books because I feel kind of good while I'm reading them. I'm like, oh yeah, I am awesome. Thank you so much. But then I close them and I'm like, well, what do I actually do? Like, I want something that's grounded in my actual life, like actionable tips. Yeah. I'm so with you. I think we all need that. We need like the easy, accessible ways to 
to seamlessly bring them into our own life. And I think I do, even what you just said, like I need to do more in terms of the happiness picture, but I do that sometimes in terms of like holding on to memories, like I'll like when I'm cuddling with Sunny and I'll like feel his like soft little skin and smell his hair and like feel what it feels like for him to be a little six-year-old boy. And I'll be like, just remember this. Like I take a little mental snapshot. So I feel like I should, I, I do that in a way in a little practice, but now the, the happiness like angle is something that I'm definitely going to do. Well, and there's science behind those little mental snapshots, those memories that you're intentionally forming can actually be stress relieving when you recall them in the future. So mm-hmm. that's already intuitively a really helpful practice that you're doing. I feel like my mom taught that to me when I was young, like Uh-oh. soak this in, soak this in. I love that. I feel like my parents, just my, both my parents were psychologists and I feel like I entered adulthood with a lot of childhood trauma and no tools to actually <laughs> to, to handle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I totally get that. Okay. So before you go, tell us about your podcast. I know you recently named it from healthier together to Liz Moody. So is it the same podcast? Like tell us about the reinvention. Yeah. So it's the exact same podcast, but what I found was that we were talking about health from the beginning in a way that wasn't the way that it was colloquially talked about. We talk about health as in having your healthiest finances. We talk, we have a whole series about the pros and cons of having kids, because I think empowering people to make the right decisions for their life is one of the healthiest, most important things that we can do. We have podcasts about having healthier friendships, a healthier sex life, We have stuff about metabolic health. We really view the podcast as anything that's going to help you solve your problems and live your best life. And what we were getting for feedback consistently was that people were coming to the podcast expecting essentially like supplements and nutrition. And we do cover that stuff, but it's so much more. We're all so much more than just those things. And I believe so strongly that one of the reasons we're not getting the results that we want for our health and for our lives is because we're viewing our problems in a silo. Our microbiome impacts our mental health through the gut-brain axis. That is science. We know that. Our mental health impacts our ability to show up at work and our ability to show up in our relationships. We just talked about our relationships impact our stress so, so much. And having good relationships can be a huge help with cortisol and things like that. Again, that is science. If we are stressed out from our relationships, that's going to have a negative impact on our microbiome. And I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is not realizing that it's all connected and that we need to address it as if it's all connected. So that's what I really tried to do with the podcast and with the book is to give you the tools that you need to create your best life in this tangled web of everything touching each other. It bums me out to think about all the people who are just like trying to only fix their diet and they're really frustrated why they're not getting the results that they want to get in terms of the rest of their life. It's just, it's all connected. And that was such an unlock for me and my anxiety journey. And I want other people to have that unlock as well. I love that. I love that. Well, tell us where we can listen to your podcasts and get your book and everywhere we can find you. Yeah. So I'm the Liz Booty podcast. You'll get science back tips made fun to live your best life. And then the book is a hundred ways to change your life. You can get that wherever books are sold or at a hundred ways to change your life.com. And then I'm Liz Moody on social and I share more just kind of like 
fun, accessible, real life grounded things that you can do to feel your best every single day. And I think that we don't talk about this enough. Like I mentioned at the beginning that I still do struggle with anxiety. And so I'm sharing tips to live your best life, but I'm also sharing all of my own struggles and the real things that I'm running into along my journey. And that it's not all like, I'm not a self-help personal growth person who's like, it's all rainbows and sunshine. Like everything is great. I'm like, we live in the real world. Let's talk about that so we can actually address it. Starting with the stories that I share about myself. Taking care of ourselves is a lifelong journey. And like you said, life happens, things happen, waves hit us. And just because we may have like learned all these tools doesn't mean that they just like we're like robots now and they just immediately start working whenever we're hit by something, you know? A hundred percent. First of all, like different tools are required at different stages of your life. But can I just leave you with one final tip about exactly that? Please. Which is, this is from Dr. Marissa G. Franco. She is a friendship psychologist. And there is research that shows, I did an episode about how to make friends as an adult, because I really do think we are, so many of us are lonely and we all think everybody else- But resistant to making friends. Well, I think we feel embarrassed, you know? We're like, oh, everybody else has friends. Like, what's wrong with me? But then I get DMs from so many people who are like, I'm lonely, I'm lonely, I'm lonely. I'm like, well, if you're all lonely- then clearly not everybody else has their friend situation sorted. Right. And one of the tips that she shared was that we think that being vulnerable is going to turn people off. We think that it's going to make them like us less. But the science shows that being vulnerable makes people like us more. So by you being honest, I'm struggling with this. This is something that I wish I had under control. I wish I could model for you guys in this way. I can't right now. That we think is going to be a turnoff to people, but the science shows that that vulnerability is actually what breeds the connection that we need to form real relationships. So whether it is online on social media or whether it's with somebody that you're trying to become closer to in your actual life, letting yourself open up a little bit, even saying things like, I'm really lonely. I wish I had more friends right now. That brings us closer together. So I think to your point, you're doing it exactly right in sharing everything that you so beautifully and honestly share. And that's the reason people are connecting with you so strongly. It's the thing that I do in my career that I feel the most connectivity from. So anyways, I could talk to you forever. I so enjoyed this. Thank you so, so, so much. Thank you so much for having me, Whitney. I love this conversation. Of course, same. We'll be in touch and excited for you and your book. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. I'd love to hear what you think and anything more or even less you'd want to hear about. Tune in every Tuesday for a new episode. If you want to know more about what I'm up to, you can find me on Instagram at Whitney E. Port, my website, WhitneyPort.com, and my YouTube channel, Whitney Port. Peace in the streets. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.